Welcome to our Workplace Wellbeing Mental Health and Resilience podcast. This podcast series focuses on several key sessions recently delivered at Legal Island's online Workplace Wellbeing Mental Health and Resilience event in association with Kinch Lions, which took place on the 20th of May 2021. These podcasts will help you make sense of new ways of working and help you improve the levels of well-being, mental health and resilience within your organisation. Pre-pandemic, most of us were used to working in one place, surrounded by colleagues being affected by and contributing to a workplace culture. And organisations recruited on the basis of organisational culture, the buzz in the office, the opportunities to meet and engage with lots of colleagues and clients. That has gone for many of us. Not only are millions now working from a room in their home, but organisations have also had a different focus, staying afloat in many cases. They have discovered that they can survive and thrive without employees being in one specific location. And as we begin to return to work and open up the economy further, one thing is clear. Workplaces won't be like they used to be. It's also worth noting that Legal Island have a range of mental health and wellbeing e-learning courses available to enable you to train all your staff in your organisation. To find out more about the range of courses offered, visit www.legal-island.ie forward slash wellbeing, or you can find the link in the description below. In the first of our podcasts, Transitioning to a New Normal, Surviving and Thriving in a Post-Pandemic World, Billy Bryan, Executive Coach at Kinch Lions, asks, what does wellbeing mean now for employees and their employers? Billy is an executive coach and leadership development specialist at Kinch Lions. He is also an associate faculty member at the Irish Management Institute in Dublin, where he lectures on a range of topics including high-performing teams, organisational development, organisational culture and critical thinking. He is a guest lecturer at NSPC London, where he is a module leader on their master's level coaching programme. He has extensive coaching experience with clients from across a broad range of industries. So in this series of podcasts, we will cover some of the most important issues in well-being in 2021. Let's get started. So really, I'm just going to start with a very obvious statement. Okay, Um, we know the world has changed uh, and enormously changed uh, since the last 12, 15 months. However, uh, we don't know by how much it has changed. And I, I think this is something that we're going to have to grapple with, how much change has actually taken place and will, will continue um, and how we're going to deal with that. So just, just to take a moment, uh, and this is just not an extensive list, by the way, um, but you just think of everything that changed uh, in a lot of cases overnight over the last 12 months and the impact that had on, on you personally. So you're thinking about work, obviously the workplace changed dramatically, you know, working from home, relying on technology, Learning, uh, how we actually learn, again, moved online. Our communication like with each other, again, huge reliance on technology uh, to be able just to communicate. And maybe you, you would have noticed that you now relied on maybe new methods of, of communicating uh, with, with both in an organization or even in a family uh, context. Shopping. Uh, shops were closed uh, for long periods of time. So, what we, you know, shopping changed in terms of, and again, how you've adapted to that. 
how you dressed changed. Uh, and there was a lot of nice, nice anecdotes around like what people were wearing uh, when working from home. But yes, I mean, even the way you dressed changed, how you, what you were eating. Uh, eating habits changed, uh, for good or bad, uh, but certainly you might have noticed that change and even how you ate when you weren't maybe going to restaurants. Did you move to more to takeaways? Did you expand your diet? What did you do there? Socializing, how we actually interact with other people. Uh, who would have thought, you know, two years ago, if you looked at someone like standing two meters apart, having a conversation, like, what's that all about? What are they doing? Uh, and wearing masks while they're doing this. Even a relaxation. You're used to going to the theater or the cinema. You know, what were you relying on to feed that maybe that, your relaxation? Some things you could still do. Obviously, things like go for a walk, go for a run, which brings you to exercise. If you were a gym goer, that changed. Travel, holidays, so many things changed. Uh, and that's something we need to think about, that we've been through an enormous amount of change uh, during the pandemic. And the question is now is, well, okay, so what now? Uh, what happens next as we start moving, let's call it post-pandemic, I won't say post-COVID because it probably will be around, maybe in endemically for a long time, but, but you know, just say post-pandemic and post-crisis, what's next for us? And this is why I'm saying this is a bit of a backdrop for the day. So I think there are three likely features, and let's call it the new normal, whatever that is, but I think there's three likely features that we're going to have to consider. First is a level of unpredictability that we probably haven't had in the past, an element of unintended consequences, and also emergent outcomes. And I'm going to talk about each of these three, again, just painting that context. So what's going to drive this level of unpredictability? Well, the first thing I think would be economic uncertainty, um, but at an individual level, uh, and also at you know, organizational and, and national level. Um, because, you know, when we start to you know, remove some of the supports that were there, <clears throat> excuse me, for organizations, what would be the impact of that? So there could be economic uncertainty as to how many uh, organizations will survive or will change and have had to adapt and how will they adapt again. Political uncertainty, already people are looking at, you know, let's look back now and see how we did and what choices were made. Politically, both nationally and globally, again, could be, could be quite uh, uncertain. But also a well-being uncertainty. Like, we're not really sure how the, you know, this virus and the variants will play out. That's at one level. But also we're dealing with maybe, I already know a couple of people who have long COVID uh, and have symptoms like a year later. Uh, that's there. There's an uncertainty as to what's, what's happening there when we have treatments. And of course, um, uh, our mental well-being. What will be the long-term impact on our overall uh, mental wellness uh, as a result of the trauma that we've been through? And of course, another piece of unpredictability is that <clears throat> there's a complex human behavior in response. Like, how do you put this most change societal? Uh, and then when you kind of try to reshape it back to, to something else again and unfreeze it, let's say, human behavior is so unpredictable. We're not really sure how we will all adapt when we start moving back to, to something new. So secondly, the thing I, I, I included in my tree was unintended consequences. And the two parts of this I think we should be aware of. The first is that we did take actions, organizations did, uh, that may have now unexpected outcomes as things change. They worked at the time. We may have introduced certain things, maybe policies, procedures, whatever, um, maybe incentivizations, whatever we brought in. We may have done, made some decisions. They may now play out differently as things change. We need to be aware of that. But also we may be taking current actions 
which may have unexpected outcomes. And particularly when you're looking at how you're going to go about the return to work and, and maybe this hybrid working, some of those actions may also have unintended consequences. And we need to be very, very careful with those. And the third one was emergent outcomes. Uh, because I said so much change has taken place, there will be new patterns. The new people, both behavioral at an individual level and societal, we will behave differently uh, as we emerge. And it will change over time. But we have to be aware that there will be changes to watch out for. There could be opportunities there and also challenges. And some of the behaviors and some of the habits that we built up during the pandemic may remain. Some may fade, some may stop, but some may actually may remain with us. And we're not really sure to predict at this stage which ones will remain. So just to stop for a second and say, before we move on, a few pitfalls that I think we need to avoid uh, at an organization level. So first is, let's not confuse analysis with predictability. Let's not think that we can predict things because we can analyze. Analysis is actually easy. You can go to the past, you've got all the data, you've got lots of things to look at. That doesn't guarantee that you can predict the future because it is so complex. So let's not do that thing that you know, predictability is not as bad as we think because we have all this analysis. Secondly, we shouldn't jump for simple solutions. There could be quite complex challenges ahead and offering a simple solution to a complex challenge is a recipe for disaster. So we need to be quite careful about the solutions and don't think that we can do a quick fix very easily. And the third one, I think, and this comes up, even I hear it in interviews with politicians, confusing confidence with certainty. Like people asking, like, can you guarantee there won't be a lockdown? Like that's seeking certainty. Um, we're not going to get certainty, but we can have confidence. We can have a level of confidence, not 100% confidence, but we can have a level of confidence in what we're doing. So just a couple of pitfalls that we need to avoid. So what's likely to change in the workplace? Uh, as Scott has already alluded to, and even your poll earlier there, um, the CIPD did um, research in the UK in the middle of last year, in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, and I mean, this again, is said that, look, we're going to have more people working from home, substantially more, and it's going to be a step change from where we were in the past. This is from a report, if you want to look on the CIPD website, embedding new ways of working implications for the post-pandemic workplace. And this is, I'm just going to give you two slides, uh, which are interesting. This is the share of the workforce working from home. This is probably about May or June last year. Um, as you can see in finance, uh, in their survey, about 80% of people were actually working from home at the time. Um, and you see huge numbers of people. But the interesting thing, I think, is, is the second piece. And this is last, middle of last year, so it's not, not so recent, but I think it's, it's, it's still being borne out. Looking before the crisis and after the crisis, how many people will be working from home you know, regularly or all the time? Regularly being at least one week. And at least a doubling of the number of people who will be working either regularly or all the time. So those are quite, those, those are quite big numbers. And that, those are big challenges that we have to think about. A, there is a change. So opportunities in this, I mean, the huge opportunity is for personal flexibility. Um, not having to do a commute, uh, being able to maybe flex your working day as well. So there's great personal flexibility and allow you to be higher performing uh, because of that. From an organizational perspective, I think it's a fantastic opportunity to access best talent. And I know of organizations who have already embraced this uh, during the pandemic, actually, and been able to access talent uh, geographically remote from where they are, but because they, they weren't expected to come to the office, they really could get the best talent and also be able to attract and retain some of that talent. There is an opportunity to increase diversity. 
in the broader sense. I've been able to get to people that you might not have been able to get to before. Again, an increasing the diversity of thinking uh, in your workforce. There is an opportunity also for enhanced creativity that we shouldn't overlook because we sometimes think creativity has to be like eight people around the table with a, you know, brainstorming and a whiteboard. You also need individual creativity. And actually, if you do this well, uh, hybrid working can really, uh, and vir virtual working, remote working, can really enhance creativity by providing that space and time for the individual creativity to take place, which can be brought back to a more a collaborative uh, you know, creative, creative space later. And there is, obviously, if you're working globally, you have a global workday if you've got uh, virtual working, having teams uh, distributed across the, across the globe. There are challenges, uh, and this I think, feeds into our overall theme for the day as well, um, of, the, of, of, of well-being. Social and professional isolation is a big challenge. Uh, that lack of relationships with colleagues, like you're used to going in, like having a cup of coffee, meeting your colleagues, just looking around, you know, your workstation or wherever you are, uh, and that professional isolation, not really seeing part of what's going on. There can also be a loss of identification with the organization. We do identify part of our, you know, who we are, our, our identity is tied in with where we work, whether we like it or not, but there is something there. And we can lose some of that, uh, that connection with the organization. We can feel excluded, um, particularly if there is a team that you know, are working you know, physically together and we're working remotely, uh, we do feel they're missing out, like we're missing out what's going on. And you know, that team will be closer together and will be more closely knit perhaps. So we do feel that as well. So we can feel excluded from what's happening. And then one of the challenges, that lack of physical and psychological separation between home and work. As you know, you know you're having your breakfast, five minutes later you're in the office uh, if you're working from home. Uh, it can be that physical separation doesn't happen. Um, working with lots of people over the last year, a lot of them say the same thing, like even their commute, for have, even if it was a short commute, they found it as a way of a, of a, a kind of a book, a, a bookend at each end of the day and allowed them a bit of decompression time at the end of the day and a little bit of space in the morning as well. So working from home does have challenges. So virtual working, I think is, is okay, it's likely to be a feature of the new normal. Uh, it will be a feature for a lot of organizations. And actually it can really help deal with some of the unpredictability that's out there. Having that more agile and flexible workforce can really help you, it can be a, a boon to, to, uh, to productivity and performance uh, for organizations who are trying to navigate some of these uncertainties. It comes with opportunities and challenges. And it's not a panacea. It doesn't solve everything. And that's the simple solution to a complex problem. Don't assume it will solve everything. So that's a big kind of a broad sweep of what's happening there. So what does, what does this actually mean for the individual? So let's talk about change and, and why, why change matters in this case. So if we think about change, you know, if you think about something like a merger or an acquisition as a change that affects people, like there's a beginning, a middle and an end. That's, that's the way it changes, it is a journey. But change and transition are not the same. So this is a takeaway, I think I'd like you to take away from this. Change is what happens. So if you're talking about a merger, the merger happens, or the transition, or in this case, COVID happens. It's situational. Transition, however, is our own psychological and individual response to that change. So transition is very different than change. And transition actually begins with the ending. 
Trans transitions have an ending, a neutral, and a beginning is the opposite way around uh, to the change program itself, let's say, or the, whatever the change is happening. So when we think of this, let's ex expand on what I mean by this ending, neutral, beginning, because this is really important for the challenges ahead. So typically, we have an ending. We let go of the past. Uh, you know, we're going, whatever is going on, we had a, something, a way of doing things, we're going to change that. So we let go of the past. Typically, we have a shared experience. Again, taking the example of something like an organization going through a merger. You know, we all have a shared experience of what was happening in the past in the old organization. There's a neutral zone where we've kind of let go of the past. We haven't quite grasped the future, but we're in the middle somewhere. It can be a comfortable place to be because we feel vulnerable. But it is finite, uh, and hopefully we can move towards that new beginning and embrace the future. For us to do that, you know, it must be a future state that makes sense to us. We have to understand it and say, well, yeah, this makes sense. I know why I've let go of the past. I know why I don't want to be in the neutral zone, and I know why I'm moving to this new beginning. But what's different about this current transition? And I say the current transition, I'm thinking about uh, how we move into a post-pandemic workplace. So this is critical, I think. We don't have a shared ending. We have very isolated experiences of the pandemic. Isolated because we each had our own individual experience of it, but also because we didn't really get insights as to the experiences of others. So if we're in a workplace going through change, we get to see what's happening with the other people around us and how they are reacting. We had much less of that during the pandemic. So our experiences were very, very isolated, very individual to ourselves. Secondly, the range of experience is vast. Everything from people who lost loved ones, maybe were ill themselves, financially hit, all of those things, to people who actually flourished uh, at the time. They didn't have a commute, suits work, working from home really suited them, time with their kids, all of that, and, and a whole new workplace opened up for them. So the, the breadth of experience of people is enormous as well. Very individual, wide range. So the leading people are going to leave behind both positives and negatives. And, and another piece I think here that's really important is we don't have a clearly defined future state. That's something different about normal transition is we don't really have a future state that's fixed. Things are still going to uh, be uh, evolve over time as to where we're moving to. Uh, you know, we might be back to lockdown again, or we might move to a hybrid, we have to change it. So things are not going to fit into a nice pattern so easily. And critically here, already I think individuals may be attaching to their own vision of what the future is going to be. So that's really important that people may themselves feel that there is a nice defined finish line that they're going to get to. And also the extended neutral zone, this time in the middle, uh, we could be in, a in this neutral zone for a long time, not really getting to a, a, a kind of a stable future, uh, which will mean to be ongoing levels of uncertainty. Uh, and also means that we could, you could say we've spent a long time maybe in a kind of a neutral zone already. And what's the impact of this? So this, all of these things feeding together gives us this extended neutral zone. Four things really. First is lots of motivation at an individual level. We can feel less motivated, like, why am I doing this? Leads to lower productivity. Uh, and that can be just from the motivation, but also just kind of the, almost the brain fog of trying to just make sense of what's going on uh, and dealing with all of that. There's the potential for confusion. Predictive things start changing where someone says, okay, I now know what, what we're doing, and then it changes, and then now we don't know what we're doing. What are we doing? And all this confusion sets in. 
and this leads then to higher levels of anxiety. So moving through that, that, uh, that neutral zone may be slower than a normal uh, transition for people, and how do we support people through that? So in summary, three things. Everybody will have a different experience of the pandemic. Everybody will have a very personal response uh, to the return to the new world of work. And everybody will deal with the ongoing uncertainty and ambiguity in a different way. So this is very individual. Um, that's why I chose that particular graphic of the single person in the boat uh, on their own. And that may be what it feels like for a lot of people as they return uh, to the workplace. So how do we support or how could we? Now, this will come during the day. I'm not going to give you all the answers here. <laughs> I'm willing to learn myself from, from what we can do. But a few things, I think, if we take it first, the ending. I think we really need to acknowledge what people have been through and really take it. Don't never assume that their experience will be the same as our own. So let's acknowledge what people have been through and talk to them and find out what happened. What was it really like for you uh, during this period, you know, before you return to the workplace? And understand what they're leaving behind. Find, try to find out what are the things that they're going to miss uh, when they leave. Uh, did they leave in some things that they'd be happy to leave behind? But let's also talk to people about what are the things that, that they will miss uh, if they turn maybe to a hybrid or fully back in the workplace. And let's also recognize the success and the contribution. Uh, a lot of people kept their organizations afloat through their own efforts uh, and the effort they put in during the pandemic. So let's also recognize that and talk about that. In terms of the neutral zone, uh, which is what are some of the things we can do to help people during this transition when they're moving back into the workplace? Uh, and once they, even when they are back, don't forget the transition goes on. It's just an individual thing. So the workplace could be back, but they could still be transitioning in their own, uh, dealing with it psychologically themselves. So a couple of things I think are really important. Firstly, let's not overpromise. We may be tempted to overpromise lots of certainty and lots of, well, things will be just the good old days back as they were. So let's not overpromise and then we will underdeliver on that. So let's be realistic in what we're, we are saying to people. Accept that we can't provide complete uh, certainty. Uh, we just cannot do it. We're, we are going to have to recognize we will be living with levels of uncertainty for a considerable amount of time. Give people a role, uh, you know, talk to people, if it, whether it's focus groups or whatever, but, or even individuals, depending on the or, or size of the organization. But in the role individual futures, let's, let's have a discussion with them. And then also, and hopefully during the day, we'll pick some of these, give them some tools, some of the things and supports that will help them to manage this uncertainty better uh, than, they, than they can on their own. And in this new beginning, um, and these are kind of, this is typical for any transition, things we need to do, but let's just adapt it a little bit uh, for the, the situation we're looking at. Let's explain the why. Uh, really explain why decisions have been made. You know, why is, we just say, here's the, even things like, here's the canteen arrangement. Giving people an explanation. Uh, if you can give people a why, it's much easier for them to accept why you're doing things. Share the vision of the direction, and I've specifically said direction, not a destination. Let's say this is the general direction. This is how we think we're going to be working into the future. And we're going to adapt as we go, but this is the general direction. And you know what? Most people will be very happy with that and will be happy to say, okay, I know where we're going. Particularly if you do the third piece, which is here are the immediate steps. It's always important to know, okay, but what's happening this week or next week? So if people know the general direction we're going, if they know why we're going there, 
And if they know the immediate steps, starting with what you know, the thing I know today and tomorrow, that gives a huge sense of, you know, it settles the people down, even with the uncertainty that's there, at least they know the direction they're going. And again, as we said in, in, the, in the neutral zone, give people a role to play, like be part of it so that they own what's going on, that they can own the change. So just take a, a kind of a summary, there's a couple of slides here, uh, just to, to kind of summarize where we are. Like unpredictability, these are things I called out at the start, unintended consequences, emergent outcomes, they're likely to be part of the new normal. So we're going to high levels of uncertainty to deal with, organizationally and individually. Virtual working is going to be a feature, for sure, of the new workplace, uh, whether it's hybrid or whatever version, there's lots of different versions, all the way up to a completely distributed workplaces. Um, they will bring opportunities and challenges, for sure. The challenge, think of a smooth transition to the post-pandemic workplace shouldn't be underestimated. Uh, we shouldn't think that we can simply plug in a solution and everything will be sorted, or that we will just do some kind of a return. Uh, to normal, that would be wrong. I think we should really put effort into this, uh, how we design this transition and think about an individual level. And that's the fourth point. I think if there's a takeaway for you, I would say, we'll give you a couple of takeaways next, but think at an individual level. It doesn't mean you need to design completely at an individual level. You can, but you need to at least think at an individual, think bottom up. Think what are those all those challenges that we've got at an individual level uh, and that individual experience. So think individually and then you know design organizationally. I think that would be good uh, advice. So here's three takeaways before we jump into some questions uh, from today. <clears throat> so the first is treat this as a transition. Uh, it's very unique. Uh, don't think of it as a return to work, a return to normal. Treat it as change. Uh, and therefore, people will be going through transition as we introduce a change, because it will be a change. It's a change from where they currently are and what they've been through. And it's not a change going back to where they were. It's just something different. So treat it as a transition, uh, as if you're taking it as, as a change program. And get ready to support people through that transition. Give them the tools they need, whatever those tools are, uh, whether it's your know, body systems, mentoring, coaching, uh, whatever whatever those solutions will become through the day what those might be but do get ready at this stage be ready in advance and thirdly think individual first then organization and that would be a takeaway and again i think there's a great article harvard business review article by linda grattan uh, who's looking at hybrid working and it's well worth a read as well as looking at uh, what linda grattan has to say about hybrid working and how even at an individual level it, it isn't a, a one-size-fits-all if you enjoyed this podcast, check out Legal Island's range of mental health and wellbeing e-learning training courses for all your employees. Providing all employees with mental health and wellbeing training during employment or shortly after starting their employment and with regular refreshers updates throughout this time can not only provide a productive but a safe workplace for everyone. Visit www.legal-island.ie forward slash wellbeing for more information or you can find the link in the description below.